welcome to Fraggle Talk, a Tough Pigs podcast where we dive deep through the fantastical, whimsical world of Jim Henson's Fraggle Rock. My name is Beth, and I am rewatching for the millionth time. My name is Julia, and I am rewatching for the first time in 10 years. My name is Adam, and I am watching for the first time ever. And today we are talking about episode four You Can't Do That Without a Hat. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Y'all, what the heck is a stave shaver? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, I googled it. So, oh, I, oh, oh, actually, hold on. I bet you I can't figure this out because barrels are made of staves, right? Are they? Are they? Yeah, staves, staves are the like the, the planks that bow out a little bit, right? I didn't know they were I'm, called I'm not staves. Crazy. Yeah. I think some, it's either that or the metal ring around them is called a stave. But clearly these things grow stubble, and so you need to that shake them. So <laughs> yeah, I, I had no idea. So, okay, for our listening audience, we, we open with Doc trying to invent an automatic barrel scraper. Mm -hmm. And he needs a tool called a stave shaver in order to do that. He also needs 685 nails. <laughs> Doc, you're killing me. And then he... He shows it off and says, I have only 94 more nails to go. And there were definitely not. I did the math. That would imply that there were 591 nails on his scraper. And there definitely were not that many nails. Doc is terrible at math. <laughs> I feel so much better about all the like niche biological ecosystemic analysis that I've been doing now that you like did the math and got a decent count of the nails. Thank you for that, Julia. I mean, I didn't actually get, like sit and like pause the screen and was like, okay, I'm going to count exactly how many nails. But there had to be like at most like 100, 150 nails on like that one like circular plank, whatever he's yeah. like. I don't think there were more than 200. Doc doesn't know how to count. Doc doesn't know how to do a lot of things. <laughs> um, but I wanted to say, actually, before we even get to the thing, I'd been so focused on the funky bass line for the intro, I did not notice until this listen-through, there's an electric guitarist, and they're going hard! <laughs> they're going really hard, and it's awesome! Oh, yeah. Anyways, so, Stave Shaver, you were saying. Right, so, okay, first I was, like, I, I googled a Stave Shaver, and... The first result took me to Urban Dictionary, of all places, <laughs> where the first entry said, Instrumental implement slash tool used by the old man in Fraggle Rock <laughs> oh for the purpose of barrel scraping. Uh, <laughs> recursive definitions are recursive. <laughs> Number two said, Tool used to make percussive music on the hard hats of doozers. Which I have notes about that, too. Yeah. Same. Oh, yes. Ditto. And then number three said, a tool that reminds you of 19th century torture devices designed to rid females of their hysteria. Oh, <laughs> hey. They're not exactly wrong. <laughs> Don't think that's what the show is going for. I just Googled Stave. I did too. A research. And I don't know why I didn't. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't last night when I was watching it. And I was like, I wonder what that is. Oh, well. And according to Google, a stave is a vertical wooden post or plank in a building or other structure. So. Exactly. Adam had it kind of on the nose earlier where it's, yeah, to shave down the wood on the barrel. That's my favorite song from Sweeney Todd. You shave a stave. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. What a niche. What a niche. Reference. I mean, there's a lot of overlap in our target audience and Sondheim fans. Yeah, Let's be that's real. true. If, 
if you're listening to a Fraggle Rock podcast, you're probably familiar with the works of Stephen Sondheim. Let's be real. <laughs> All right. So Doc is building this horrendous contraption. And I believe I get so Boober is the one with the hat, and who's the main dude? Uh, Gobo. Gobo. Gobo and Boober. Yeah, are. Well, oh yeah, go for it. One more note on on the topic of barrel scraping <laughs> before we leave this very important. Very topic. important. Let's. Just, I mean, we might as well clean the niche out while we're here. So I just googled barrel scraping, and none of the results that I got talked about literal barrels. All of the results that I got were the metaphor of scraping the bottom of the barrel. Oh, yeah, that is a metaphor, isn't it? Yeah, so I was thinking that the writers were like, well, Doc has done so many weird inventions that now he is quite literally scraping the bottom of the barrel. Ah, see, I was going to say maybe they were like, ah, heck, we can't come up with any other weird inventions for him in the time allotted, so we're scraping the bottom of the barrel, and then another writer went, George, you've got it. I love that. Yeah. So it's, it's also, it's only episode four, so I'd hope they have many more zany inventions for him in store. Oh, they do. Anyway. Anyway, Gobo and Boober. Gobo and Boober, yes. So Boober is, like, going with Gobo. Gobo's gonna go get his postcard from his uncle traveling Matt in outer space, and Boober is supposed to be keeping watch and whistle if he sees the quote-unquote beast, which is Sprocket. He's on beast distraction duty. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Boober uh, cannot, uh, he can't, because he was whistling before Gobo went out, but then suddenly he's unable to whistle. His mouth gets dry because he's scared. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Freezing up in terror. That's relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, also, can we just talk real quick? There's like a, a lounging elephant thing in the tunnels that they just... Mm-hmm. walk by like it's nothing where does that fit into the local ecosystem and also what is it so i'm so glad you brought this up there are so many background creatures that you're gonna see over the next five seasons is unbelievable the variety of this ecosystem and only some of them do we as the audience get to hear the names now that being said some of the names we've gotten through uh, the great Karen Prell giving this Encyclopedia Fraglia of, you know, notes that she compiled while working on the show. But most of them, we never hear more about them. We just see them hanging out in the background. Um, We'll get to see the ink spots a lot, who are the little guys who will often, like, sing along as background vocals in the songs. Mm -hmm. But yeah, this little elephant-looking guy... You'll, you'll see him again, but they, you know, they don't talk to him. We don't find out what he's called. Yeah. He's just there because he is. He's just there. Like, now that I know they're there, there's another one in later in the episode, too. It's like this weird rock elemental thing that's just vibing. And I'm like, I... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's also, like, another creature that we'll get to because they are kind of, like, important to the, the plot, like, halfway through who pops up. Yep. And I was like, I don't... And we'll talk about them, but I was like, I don't recognize this creature. What Do they come back? And I looked on the wiki. This is the only episode that they're listed as being in. And I was like, that's buck wild, Jim Henson, <laughs> that you would create these, like, really interesting looking creatures. And then we never see them again, except maybe, like, just hanging out in the background. But it does at the same time, like really flesh out the world and mm-hmm. leave the audience like asking so many questions about all the creatures that live there. Um, Even if half of those questions are just, what? What the heck? <laughs> yep. Alrighty. Um, 
so getting back to the topic of Doc being a bad dog owner. That's the next on my list, too. Sprocket barks at Gobo, which surprises Doc. The stave shaver goes flying off the workbench, and he tells Sprocket to find it for him, or he will withhold his mongrel munchies treats for a week if Sprocket doesn't find this tool. Right? Yeah. Also, Spro- I also just noted, and this is, like, might blunt the edge of that, Sprocket does a perfect Tim Allen, Ooh! <laughs> like a part, like, spot on. I might just get a recording of it right now so that the listener can hear that and just put it in right here. Perfect. Um, but yeah, no, one, dogs don't have the cognitive process to understand what you're saying, Doc. And two, don't withhold food for ever. Excuse you. Well, Sprocket is a little unique in this regard in that he does have the cognitive ability because we will see throughout the series Doc communicating with him in a way that it's very clear that Sprocket understands. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, yeah, Sprocket does immediately go looking, so it does seem to be that he understands. That doesn't make it, like, moral. Oh, yeah. You know, it's not... I know that, like, Sprocket, like, spooked him, and that's why he, like, dropped the shaver. But at the same time, like, you know, it's not entirely on Sprocket, and putting it on, like, Sprocket to then find it for him is, you know, not good dog owner, like protocol yeah and then withholding something that someone loves as a punishment if they don't do what you want them to do is a terrible motivator yeah and there's another part that he does like later in the episode where that's like especially like cruel and it's like come on doc what what the heck yeah i have notes on that when we get to that i have opinions. i have opinions about this episode yeah. honestly <laughs> So I don't think it's a spoiler to tell you that in Back to the Rock, mm-hmm. that doc is, I would say, a much better dog owner. That's a relief. Yeah, it's like the showrunners like looked at the original content and they were like, oh yeah, we actually like care about dogs in this day and age and like want them to be happy <laughs> and be loved. So we should probably create a character that actually has a good relationship with her dog. That would be nice. Anyway. Anyways, so Boober freezes up and Gobo has to kind of juke Sprocket to make it back in. And then we, I feel like this is the most emotion we've seen out of Boober, Mm -hmm. like, at all so far. So far. And it's shame. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like that's not, to my best of my memory, that's going to be maybe a bit of a recurring, you know, Boober has a lot of, like, not self-loathing, but he's very, like, down on himself a lot of the time, you know? He's Hmm. full of a lot of anxiety and, you know, he seems very depressed. I mean, same, buddy. I just, it's interesting because we haven't really gotten a lot of focus on him and he's mostly been just sort of like strange and aloof. Yeah, this is our first Mm -hmm. real Boober episode, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, this is our first Boober focused episode, which Mm -hmm. we can take a second to talk about the amazing Dave Goles, who performs Boober, also uh, Uncle Traveling Matt. But he is best known in the Muppet world as performing Gonzo, also Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, Zoot, Beauregard. But yeah, Dave Goles has been with the Muppets since forever. He's amazing. He's really dedicated to his characters and caring about how they come across and the, the continuity of those characters. Like when Muppets Haunted Mansion Mm -hmm. came out and we got this great gonzo forward story and you got to see these incredible, you know, insights into gonzo and and his emotionality. And you got to hear from Dave Goles about, you know, how much this character means to him. And 
Same with Back to the Rock, how much he cares about Boober and relates to Boober. In fact, this character, he insists, was created for him hmm. because he said that he's got those same <laughs> anxieties as, as Boober, those same fears. That's really sweet. Yeah, I love Dave Goals. He's been... You know, it's hard to have favorite performers, but I've had a big soft spot in my heart for Dave Goals. Like, I, Gonzo's, I'm well on the record for Tough Pigs, like, about how much I love Gonzo as a character and, like, just all of his characters in general. There's, like, a lot of thought and also a lot of heart put into them and, you know. Gonzo is also my favorite, but, like, I, I, I'm a neurodivergent. I feel like we all relate to Gonzo really hard. It's true. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Dave, Dave is great and uh, Boober, it's interesting to... It, we won't get into the new series at all, but it is interesting to see Boober in this iteration and then, you know, in comparison to Boober in the new show, just because Dave is still playing the character. Um, mm. I guess in the first season he was just voicing him, but still. Um, yeah, for COVID safety precautions um, in Back to the Rock, they had another performer doing the puppetry and then Dave would record the voices. Was the, other the other performer was, was Frank, wasn't it? Yes. Not not Oz, obviously. That would be wild. <laughs> that would be incredible. I was going to ask. Frank Oz came back just for the performance, not the voice. I want to say Frank Meshkalite. Cool. Hmm. Yes. Yes. He was on an episode of Fraggle Talk talking about uh, Back to the Rock. He was. Yeah. Yes. Sweet. All right. Good episode. Um, so Boober's feeling like shame. Uh, and Gobo tries to cheer him up, but he does that, like, thing... He doesn't actually engage with the root of Boober's emotions. He's just sort of like, let me distract you and cheer you up. Which, to be fair, I wish I had a bunch of friends hiding everywhere who would just do call-and-response nonsense songs with me whenever I wanted. That yeah. would be a great existence. Absolutely. Commune goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that little song that they did, I guess, technically a song was just very delightful. It's listed as a, a song in the on the wiki yeah yeah but it's like five lines long and That's it's just true. a little call and response um i wrote down the lyrics according to apple tv captions they seem to be pretty accurate okay. but when i went to double check it on youtube <laughs> youtube's captions ai is so bad mm -hmm. that half the time it's wildly inaccurate and in this one all it listed for this six-line call-and-response was the three words, hi, mini, outside, and then that's it. It just gave up. It's the, uh, the, uh, the voice-to-text AI equivalent of when you spell a word so bad, spell check doesn't even give you any options. <laughs> yeah. This one moment that just broke my heart that Boober says, uh, you go on ahead, I'm too dangerous. <laughs> Which, like, it's a common trope for a character to push people away because they feel like they bring danger in their wake. Uh, there's a parallel I never thought I'd draw, Boober Fraggle and Edward Cullen. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Where's that Twilight parody? <laughs> oh, I just swap them. Just swap them. I'd watch. I'd watch. Improve Twilight a thousand percent. But yes, then we, then we come in on uh, Moki. Cool. I love that shot of her like sitting with like her legs out, you know, in front of her, just like taking in the Doozer Towers. That's great. It is a really good framing. Um, we we might cut this bit. I don't know if it's worth leaving in, but I do feel like I should note she's saved in my notes because I can never remember her name. She's saved in my notes as well-meaning white liberal. 
I mean, considering that you watched ahead to episode six, you are spot on. <laughs> yeah, but like, oh god, she just drives me up a wall. She gets better, I swear. She has character growth. No, they that's all do. fair. I get that this is the beginning of the arc, and I respect that. You know, she was created to be kind of like the hippie peace and love, like got no no quarrels with anybody. One, but I see. I also see exactly what you mean, though. <laughs> I, you can say no quarrels with anybody, but we watch her, A, like, I give her props for observing the Doozer Towers, that's great, but then she just, like, picks up a, sha- a stave shaver and just starts bonking up, like, calm down, little bunny foo-foo, God. Oh, she is the, she is the first one, and then they all start bonking them on the heads, and it's just like, hey, those are living creatures, my dudes, what are you doing? So, it reminded me strongly of... Marvin Suggs and the Muppafons. Yeah, that's true. They're, Jim Henson does have a precedent for, like, just bonking things on the head for the sake of music. Right? So Marvin Suggs is this recurring character on The Muppet Show mm-hmm. who has what he calls the Muppafones. They're little fuzzy, round Muppets who each make a different note saying, ow, mm-hmm. in different notes so that he plays music on them and just, ow, 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 ow. Um, but it's very clear that the Muppaphones are not into that, and they grumble about it. They're literally saying "ow," but the Doozers start kind of jamming along. I couldn't tell if they were jamming. They kind of like they weren't saying anything, and they're just kind of standing there. So I couldn't I couldn't read what how the Doozers were feeling about it. But I will say, Gobo says when they finish playing their little song, not bad. I knew these Doozers were good for something. And it's like, hey, my man, you eat their structures. What are you talking about? Yeah, I got genuinely uncomfortable when that line dropped. I was like, wow, it, it, it felt like the children show equivalent of seeing somebody like kick a possum and be like, oh, that's what possums are for. And it's like, yeah. that's not, no, that that is a living creature. Uh. Yeah. So I will, without spoilers, I can say that there is a long way to go in interspecies relationships. And the point is, we also, so like one, this, they start talking about uh, Boober's like frustrations and um, what, Mookie? Mookie. Mookie. Like a mochi, but with a K. All right, Moki says, It takes a very brave fraggle to admit he's a worthless coward. And I'm yep. just like, screw you, lady. What was your to-do list today? One, strike tiny creatures for fun. Two, <laughs> give the most backhanded compliment in existence. Like, So, to be fair, this was right after Boober called himself a worthless coward. That doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it better. Yeah, if your friend, like, is trash-talking them, you shouldn't then, like, confirm, like, oh, but it, be, this trash-talk you're saying is a good thing. Like, confirming that the trash they're saying about themselves is true. And they all just pile on! Like, they all are, ser- like, clearly think they're helping, and they're all just kind of, like, dog-piling this guy. And I, I will say I did laugh, because I was, like, again, I was kind of uncomfortable at just what was happening in this episode and then Go- uh gobo is like yeah cool all right well you know this is true what are you gonna do about it and Boober goes uh nothing love that <laughs> and i laughed oh that was great you got me there bud same yeah so red tells Boober he's got to be brave and daring and bold and he should go to the trash heap for advice but Boober is afraid of the trash heap so red kind of half offers to go with him half 
pushes him out the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to the trash heap out in the Gorg's garden. She's got her little hype men, Philo and Gunge. Um, I can I just cut in real quick on the presentation here? Yeah. I counted it. It takes a full eight seconds for that trash heap to animate from a pile of trash to a talking creature. Eight full seconds to sort of, and I love that they let that be a process. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like it's very, there's like sections that come, it's a whole, it's, and it's fantastic. Uh, the other one that I adore is the hype rats. Yes. When our fraggles walk up, they're just like talking about their lives. And I'm like, oh yeah, look at you putting in world details to show that these characters have a life beyond what happens on the camera. Right? Yeah. So Gunge says that he's going to go spend two weeks with his auntie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that is canonical that Gunge has an auntie. And then I was like, wait, is she Philo's auntie too? And then I said, wait, are they boyfriends or are they brothers? And then that led me to hashtag, oh my God, they were co-hype men for the trash heap. <laughs> That's a long hashtag, but it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, also, when the trash heap is like looking down at the fraggles and then puts on her glasses. Oh, I was howling. That was such a good moment. Her glasses are so good. Agreed. Um, is this a different voice for her than there was at the first episode, though? Because it sounds different. Um, it's the same performer, but Marjorie definitely goes through a voice evolution over the course of the series. But yeah, that's one of the things um, the performers who perform Marjorie on Back to the Rock talk about, you know, listening to uh, the original Marjorie and going like, oh, she had quite a voice evolution. Like, there's some Jersey in there. There's some Eastern European vibes in some episodes it's mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah there was a lot of eastern european in that first one mm-hmm. um, which is why i was a little confused that we went from eastern european to like muppet bird kind of <laughs> which it still worked and the song was great and i also i love the line the she's like oh you need a hat and the rat goes you know marjorie that makes a lot of sense and she goes it does and they go no but we'll sell it for you <laughs> I love that. it's a great line and also like I don't know if y'all have been in the position where you have enough status that people are asking you for advice. Sometimes you just don't know what to do, and you just kind of go with what's there, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that was not a moment of empathy I was expecting to have, but I did have it. <laughs> yep. And there's a moment where, you know, Philo and Gunge, like, she says, oh, you know, someone's coming, and, and they're like, how can you tell? Because they don't see the fraggles yet uh she's like what do you mean i'm an oracle <laughs> and then they're like hey what do you know she's right this must be one of her good days yeah <laughs> i clocked that <laughs> which means that marjorie has bad days as an oracle that tracks definitely but then yeah we go into the song always wear your hat which you, she lists off so many things that you can do that you can't do without a hat such as like take a bath figure out math make a sandwich and as I was listening to this, because I haven't heard this song in so long, I was like, you could do all of that without a hat. It feels very much like the um, the f- like feather for Dumbo. Yep. I have that in my notes, too. Yeah. Because, yeah, like, I, and I think I took that note, like, further in the episode where I was like, oh, the hat is like the feather where, you know, it's not actually, it's more of like a safety blanket. Where, the courage was in you all along. Yeah. It's just you find out that you didn't need it at all. It's just to give you that little extra, yeah, bit of courage. Yeah. But. It really, it does feel like they asked her for advice and she like did not clock the problem ahead of time and panicked and just sort of went with, uh, <laughs> what do I see? A hat. Yep. You need that. Yep. You gotta have the hat. You've got your hat already. <laughs> Go forth. Yep. And her rats were like, cool, we'll sell it for you. And then one of the rats has a harmonica solo. 
Yes! This show's amazing. I want to keep track of how many times when Gunge is playing his harmonica that Marjorie says, play it, Gunji baby, because I know it happens <laughs> at least twice. So if we're thinking about the hat as a metaphor for courage, I guess, then I guess it kind of makes sense to like list all of these things in life that it, you know, it helps to have courage for. But there's a moment before the song starts when, you know, she gives her initial advice. She says, always wear a hat. And Booper is questioning her and says, always wear your hat? And those are two different things. Mm -hmm. If all you need to be brave and daring and bold is to wear any hat. So, you know, that could mean that if you've got your head covered, you know, like you got your basics covered, then that then you're protected and you can be confident in that. But if it's always wear your hat, then that could mean, okay, I'm going to make an obscure reference to one episode of Frasier. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> There's this character who's mentioning her, her fictional grandpa Willie and the, the, you know, down home country advice that, that he would give. And he once said, if the shoe don't fit, then that ain't your shoe. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that, that. You know, if the hat don't fit, then that ain't your hat. It's like, if you've got a thing that works for you, then good. You wear that hat. And if it doesn't work for you, don't do it. Exactly. I like that. I can get behind that. <laughs> and it works for him. I mean, he's already got the hat. But now he's suddenly confident. He's so sold, like, halfway through the song, immediately. It just works. Oh, yeah. I also, I love that moment, too, where he's, like, showing off. He's like, And literally, I wrote the line down word for word. Allow me to demonstrate my newfound bravado. <laughs> and then he just picks a fight with Trumpet Face, and it's wild. I love that. So Gobo's like, but he always wears his hat. And Red says, yeah, but now it's different. The trash he said so. <laughs> And, you know, there's an aspect of that that's like, is it really different just because someone that you perceive as an authority figure told you a thing and now you believe the thing? Sure. That could get into, like, aspects of, like, the dangerousness of, like, I don't know, of the online wellness oh, yeah. movement or, like, some, like, dangerous mindsets online where, like, somebody says something and, like, maybe, you know, it was always a thing or, you know, it becomes even more a thing, like, if the wrong person can tell you that. So that can get dangerous but in this circumstance marjorie is just trying to give boober some courage so yeah and i think in this instance it's actually legit like someone pointing out an aspect of yourself that you hadn't considered as powerful and then when you start to consider it you go oh yeah i guess so and it, it takes someone that you trust and respect pointing that out yeah for you to see that in yourself sometimes it's a good feeling so the hat gets blown off his head it lands on one of the doozers who just kind of walks away with it. Well, so it's... Do we want to take a second and talk about the creature who... Trumpet face? He picks a fight with? Yeah. It's a blustering bellopane monster, according to the Muppet Wiki. Yep. And this is the one I talked about early on where I was like, this one is cool. And then I looked it up and I'm like, oh, this is the only episode it's prominent in. And wow. It doesn't come back. Yeah, it was used as a background puppet in later productions mm -hmm. but this is oh it was actually used in an episode of the muppet show episode 512 would that episode have come out no muppet show was over by the time fraggle rock started right yeah yes okay so it was our, so it was created for the muppet show and then it just came over to this one i'll bet the writers were like hey we need a way to remove boober's hat and someone said 
We have a Muppet that can blow air through its nose. Probably. I would not be surprised if a lot of these Muppets already existed, or like just sort of for the Muppet show, and then they were like, what weird stuff can we pull from our puppet trove and just kind of put in this ecosystem? Totally. Yeah. And that's definitely something that we'll see in a lot of the background creatures, that either they were background creatures in previous productions, or they were created Fraggle Rock and then became background creatures for other productions. Mm. Like, we'll we'll see some characters that you might recognize from uh, Muppet Christmas Carol and Muppet Treasure Island. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Sweet. So, yeah, that creature comes and, and blows Boober's hat onto a doozer who I, I believe his name is Flex Doozer. Flex, yeah. Yep. We'll get a little bit more on the doozers later. And then Boober freaks out about his hat. And I, my next note is that I wrote down that Boober writes, oh, no, I hate meetings. And I said, this is a real mood. Say, I wrote that one down, too. I hate mm-hmm. meetings. Me too, buddy. Yeah, he also yells, oh, no, my life is ruined. And they called a meeting. And yeah, <laughs> right. Because they they call the meeting. Is it to discuss like about what happened to his hat? Is that what? Yeah, they're, they're gonna... the whole point of the meeting was to try to figure out how to get his hat back. And they're not good at it. <laughs> like yep. literally they're like let's go look in the pantry because we're hungry and we want lunch mm-hmm. and i just <sighs> so this song it's called the pantry chant and it's it's almost like that song you know mama's gonna buy you a mockingbird yeah. if that mockingbird don't sing but mm-hmm. it's like if this doesn't work here's this next thing if that next thing doesn't work here's this next thing after that so they talk about all these foods that they're gonna look for and some of them you can imagine finding in the world of fraggle rock like a pear. Sure, that could grow in the Gorg's garden. But then they talk about chicken chop suey, stroganoff, and macaroni. And excuse me, none of those foods are ever mentioned again. They would never have access to them. It's literally the only ever mention of meat in the entire series. Huh. Fascinating. I have my head cannons about why this is. <laughs> I, I'm really excited to see if my ecological theories line up with this. <laughs> But it just occurred to me that this is, like, a great song to sing to yourself when you realize that you're having a moment of, like, am I actually hungry or am I just bored? Because they list all these foods and then they're like, ah, no, no, let's go do something else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Am I hungry or is my mouth lonely? (laughs) Um, uh, I will say I really appreciated the setup payoff with her observing the doozers to her and now being like, oh, something's wrong. The Doozer Towers are off, because we, we get to see Moki is looking at the Doozer Towers after the song. Yep. And they're wrong. She does not know how mm-hmm. or why, but she does at least notice that they're wrong. Yes. Oh, also, oh, I forgot. I have a note in here. Um, The Fraggle version of Rhubarb, Rhubarb, Walla Walla, just sort of the sounds to make for crowd sounds, is just Fraggle, 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 and you can hear it, and that makes <laughs> yes. me really happy. That's good. Oh. There's this great line where, so Boober's upset, understandably, because they just shrug off how upset he is. And go get food. And he says, I'm going into my hole and I'm never coming out. (laughs) Me too, buddy. Me too. (laughs) Yep. Um, But then we get to see the Doozers and that was really exciting. Um, And we get to see them doing roll call uh, and they have a really good bit in there about, all right, angle here, board here, (laughs) Derek. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, I love, I love like classic, like genre trope name, genre trope name, generic human name. Yeah. That's one of my favorite like bits in existence and they did it very well. Well, technically a Derek is a kind of like uh, Derek's that pump oil. 
Really? It's like it's like a up and down pump thing. Oh. I also thought it was a joke that they just na- randomly named one of the doozers Derek and I was like, that's great. But that also makes sense <laughs> that it would actually be. Oh my god, it is. Yeah. Maybe that maybe that's the purpose of Thorigan in there where it like pays off as like sounding like a human name, but also if you know, ah. it is also a tool. Oh, I love that. So, according to Muppet Wiki, in this instance the doozers are seen like speaking in unison. Mm-hmm. As if they have no individual personalities, mm-hmm. but as the doozers like develop later on in the series, this feature is dropped, and each doozer becomes an individual. And one or two doozers in particular, we get to know quite well. That's true. Yay! I'm very excited for that. Um, we do get to see Flex a little bit, and his voice is like Doctor Bunsen, and that made me happy. Yeah, it was the, very much Dave doing that. Yeah, doing Flex. Um, yeah, and he's walking under a hat in the background, and none of the other doozers notice that he's he's there, as he cannot see a single thing, but just keeps pushing his, his little cart and wandering aimlessly around. I feel like it's a metaphor for millennials moving through life. <laughs> I did write a note that says, Boober's anxiety slash depression and Flex Doozer's aimless stoic confusion are both big moods. Now, according to Muppet Wiki, Flex Doozer is actually played by Richard Hunt. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. Oh, it's, uh, to me it sounded like Dave. I thought it was him, but... It sounded just like Dr. Bunsen to me. I mean, those Muppet performers are very good at doing voices and... Right? Sometimes they're very good at imitating each other. Yeah, I have been tricked before by, like, yeah, them, like, impersonating each other's characters, so... Or just doing similar voices. So, good job, Richard Hunt. Yeah. Um, and then, do we want to talk about the Traveling Matt letter? Totally. Yes, the postcard. We get Uncle Traveling Matt is in like a, like a cafeteria or something. Or yeah, some kind of food court. Food court. Yeah, that's the cafeteria. That's the word I was looking for, like in a mall. And then he accidentally panhandles because his hat is on the table and someone <laughs> comes. It's like an old lady is like, oh, you really need this, sir, and gives him like a quarter. Mm-hmm. And then he takes the quarter to go show a man who then gives him a donut in return which man i would really love a donut for a quarter i was gonna say i would adore if you slap down a dollar get four donuts that's a great day right there portland oregon where beth and i both live uh has a lot of artisan donuts that are like five dollars a piece and so yep quarter donut would be great i ate a six dollar gourmet s'more in downtown Portland. Of course you did. <laughs> of course you That's did. That's the least surprising thing you tell me you ate here in Portland. <laughs> Portland loves our artisan desserts that are far too expensive. The sentence, I ate a $6 artisan s'more, could only end with in Portland. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, accurate. Hands down. Oh, I was just going to say, Uncle Uncle Traveling Matt gets a donut, which he do- he knows it smells good, but he doesn't seem to understand that he could eat it. He's just like softly squishing it in his hands and he's like oh this is a cool object yeah so at first he's like upset about the loss of his his treasure this shiny thing mm-hmm. uh the quarter which again he doesn't understand the value of and now oh no it's taken away but he gets this new treasure which again he doesn't understand the value of he's just excited about this new treasure yes uh then a dog comes and takes it <laughs> just i you think he says like i was eager to show off my new treasure and he's try- gonna try to show it off to this dog and then the dog just takes it and runs off he basically sums it up to gobo as treasures come and treasures go which you know equates it to like boober losing his hat but then also like he makes the note of like but also i started with nothing and i ended with nothing so it's like i didn't lose anything to begin with <laughs> i mean to me it's it kind of speaks of like 
you know, when things, and not necessarily even like material things come and go in your life, but like experiences and certain periods of your life, if you're like, oh, things are going good right now. And then later, eh, things won't be going so good. Yeah. You know, sometimes friendships are those treasures that, you know, you lose touch with someone after a while, but it doesn't mean you never had that friendship to begin with. Like, things come and go, and sure, that's just life. And it's weird and random and unfair sometimes, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I saw it similar where, like, you know, you have a treasure, whether it's physical or, you know, yeah, relationship or something more less tan- tangible but then like sometimes you lose it but in in losing it you also gain something in its stead and so you know treasures come and and they go and then like uh, you know most of the postcards for matt usually in some way are related to the main story and it this sense it felt pretty literal because you know boober had the treasure of his hat which gave it like which gave him the treasure of a lot of courage and then suddenly you know it was gone but at the same time as we see later, like, Boober still does have that courage um, and didn't need that the treasure he had to begin with, you know, although he does get his hat back. Dumbo's magic feather. Um, we do, speaking of Boober, we cut right back to him. And I just, there's a shot of him moping in his hole as his hat goes by him. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the little microcosm of being so sad at the absence of a hat that one cannot actually go and look for the hat. <laughs> is not lost on me and rings very true. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a moment right before the postcard where God, Dave Goals is such a treasure, speaking of treasures. Mm-hmm. So Boober is just like leaning over with his head propped on the, the cave wall of his hole. And Gobo's like, hey, can I cheer you up by reading this postcard? And all Boober can do is like whimper and make these vague gestures. Mm. Like, he didn't say anything, and yet it was so deeply relatable. Yeah. Very, very, oh, what's the word? Emotive? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I also, I also love, and I don't remember the line before it, but um, I think it's Moki is like, are you still here? And Booper goes, I'll be here until I die. Give me ten minutes, tops. And I was like, ah, oh, Gen Z has entered the chat. <laughs> I wrote that line down too. There are a lot of great lines in this episode, um, and that one made me made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Moki gives him this new hat that she has made, which is essentially like a crown made out of sticks and leaves, in true Moki fashion. <laughs> she puts it on his head, says, "Wear it in good health." Kisses his nose and leaves, and then Booper gives this pause and this perfect wail. Mm-hmm. Hopefully we can cut in the audio of that because it's just amazing. Yeah. Um, I also, she says, aw, it's okay, Boober. And like the condescension and pity in her voice. I'm just like, I, I've met you in the real world and I do <laughs> everything I can to not talk to you. Oh, 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 oh. And, like, I get that she's genuinely trying. Like, oh, you lost a thing? I'm gonna give you a new thing, and I made it with love, and therefore it's all better now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked the, like, wreath crown that she made for him. Me too. I would wear that. But I also understand that it's very much not his hat, and it's not his aesthetic at all. Oh, see, I came at that from the exact other end. I was like, aw, 
you, instead of like getting fabric and making an actual hat, were like, oh, what can I reach without standing up? <laughs> cool. <laughs> Let's make a hat out of that. <sighs> um, and then I think after this bit, we cut back to Doc and Sprocket who are still, well, Sprocket is still looking for his stave shaver. Yep. And this is when Doc enters and tells him that he got Sprocket a big juicy bone and then immediately is like, but you're not going to get it till you find the shaver for me. And it's like, you went and got him that bone to just like rub it in his face and be like, no, keep looking. Otherwise you don't get this bone. And it just feels weirdly cruel. I, uh, I would like to read the notes I took Please. in response to that exact scene. Um, there is no punctuation in any of this. Doc, you are so mean to your dog. Give me a hammer and a cape and I will steal Sprocket and give him a loving home where he is supported and enriched and nurtured. I don't even like dogs, but this is untenable. Facts. Yeah. So I was, you know, ranting in all caps, like, this is a very bad motivational tactic. And then I wanted to look up, like, the exact wording of the motivational tactic that I learned about in, like, Psych 101 a million years ago. Mm -hmm. That there were, like, four different quadrants of like reward punishment and then I, I googled it and I found it like oh yeah you know positive reward means adding something good positive punishment means adding something bad negative reinforcement means taking away something bad negative punishment means taking away something good and I was like oh okay so this is a negative punishment he's like I got you this big juicy bone but then I'm taking it away and then I realized oh my god I googled this and the internet immediately took me to an ABA website. Oh, woof. Which, uh, for so you weren't reading a you weren't reading a warning infographic. You were reading the how-to manual. Yeah, basically how to punish autistic kids for being autistic. Ah, woof. Oh no, woof. I didn't know what that abbreviation meant. Yeah, I think it's like. Oh yeah, autistic behavioral behavioral something, something. Uh, yeah. analysis. Anyways, yeah, uh, it's no, it's it is basically gay conversion therapy, but for autistic kids, it's not good. I would use some profanity if we were on a podcast that could use profanity. Um, <laughs> so would I. <sighs> Anyways, in conclusion, this is a bad strategy, Doc. Please don't do this. Yeah, it's not good. Let us cleanse our palate. With the feral earth elemental that's just kind of vibing, <laughs> sprawl on a pipe like a cat. Like a cat made out of rock pine cones. Oh, now I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, it looks almost like if a sponge were, like, spiky. Yeah. Like if you left a sponge so long that stuff started growing on it, but the stuff that grew on it was, like, minerals. <laughs> the stuff that grew on it was angry at you. <laughs> it was spicy, but, like, geometrically. <laughs> so... Flex Doozer has made it all the way out to the Gorg's Garden, and apparently he's only one of only two Doozers that we ever see there in the series. I was going to ask if you knew if there was any other point where we see a Doozer in the Gorg's Garden, because I couldn't remember if that was the case. Yeah, yeah. we will. Okay, uh, cool. That will be another step forward in interspecies relationships. Cool. I look forward to that. Hmm. So do I. But another interesting thing is that Flex is also the name of one of the four main doozers in the uh, 2013 CGI animated show, Doozers. Oh, huh. which I never I never watched that. I didn't know it existed. I, I gave it a shot. Um, I really liked certain things about it and was like, eh, on other things. It is very much a 
preschool age show. Yeah, I think I knew that, and that's probably why I didn't give it my time. Yeah, and so it, you know, it's pretty formulaic in, you know, that nice, like, predictable way of like, okay, these four main kid characters encounter a problem, and then in each episode, they build something in order to solve that problem. Ooh, that's cool. It is pretty cool. Um, that like, you know, if uh, in Muppet Babies, they're uh, solving problems, you know, by, you know, using their imagination and learning social interrelational lessons, then the show is a lot more like practical about how to use your imagination. Um, Which is good. It is really good. Um, the only, <laughs> the only, honestly, my major complaint about that show is that they call everything doozer something. Like, I wish I had more examples. Like, in Fraggle Rock, they call the sticks that the doozers build with and the fraggles eat, they call them doozer sticks. In the doozer show, they call it doozer everything. And it would be as if we were walking around calling it, oh, this is my human microphone and my human book and my human house. Ah, uh, yes, I've logged into my human computer. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, one of those four main characters also has the name of Flex. Mm. Interesting. Cool. So the Flex is in the garden, and I believe it's Gobo who's been following him this whole time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Gobo sees, like, the hat walking in an earlier scene and is like, what? What is going on? And goes off to, like, investigate and follows him to the garden. So a real rabbit hole here. We see a little tag that says that Boober's hat size is six and three eighths. And I googled that, and that would be for a head with a diameter of 20 and a quarter inches which seems way bigger than Boober's head. Maybe numbers mean something different to Fraggles. But also, they do they have numbers? Hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, Beth. It's metric, not imperial. Oh, I mean, this is made in Canada. Yeah. Who knows what they use? Hmm. Anyways. Um, Anyways. Uh, there's a scene I want to draw attention to um, just from a technical side, because there's the bit where they're running for the log mm -hmm. and you see both of them running and you see their legs move and they go to the log and i don't know how they do that i can tell that there's a thread being pulled because you can see i believe it is uh gobo's hand on the back of boober's shirt and so you can tell that there's some tension there as boober is being led and gobo is following and i think they might have had them on like translucent sort of like unicycle tracks or whatever but I got no idea how they did that. And if you know, Beth, I'm very curious. So I don't know the exact details, but these are definitely the miniature Fraggle puppets mm -hmm. that are about as big as a doozer. And you'll see these a lot in the Gorg's Garden. Like if a Gorg has to pick up a Fraggle, you'll mm -hmm. see the little uh, miniature version. And then they can move and talk by radio control the same way that the doozers move. Ah, still don't know how the legs work, but that is an interesting piece of the puzzle. I just assumed there were probably, like, mechanisms to make, like, kind of the legs run, and then they were, yeah, like you said, maybe also being pulled at the same time to give the illusion of running. I wonder, maybe they're up against a wall, and so they've got them keyed into the wall? I don't know. I'll have to go back and look at it. Yeah, I was gonna say, there's, like, there's a wall or a bush, like, kind of behind them, so I'm assuming, like, yeah, there would be some kind of, probably, track that they're attached to. Either way, very impressive puppeteering. Indeed. Totally. So, Gober... Uh, Gober. Gober. That's their, that's their celebrity oh, couple name. <laughs> oh, I can feel the shipping wars on Tumblr breaking out as we speak. Dang it, now we have to leave that in. 
Gobo finds Boober's hat, essentially freeing Flex. And Gobo and Flex actually exchange a few words. And this is the first time that we see Fraggles and Doozers talking to each other. Hmm. Not just like talking about each other within earshot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is pretty early on to have an interaction between them. I was surprised that, you know, it's it's a small one. You know, and it's not of much substance, but still, you know, we're only episode four. I was watching for social cues there. He doesn't seem very surprised when the doozer starts talking. I don't know if they know the doozers can talk or not. Like, I couldn't tell. As far as I can tell, they know that each other as a species can talk, but they seem to have no interest in talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is... It's hard to find a, a, a parallel for that in our world. No, it's not. Have you seen elementary school clicks? <laughs> oh, fair enough. So then we get this great song, Lost and Found. Oh, I was just going to say, my only note for it is that uh, this song is an excuse for Jerry Nelson and Steve Whitmire to show off their, their very good yodeling skills. Excellent yodeling. I have that. I have that. Because honestly, I, the song didn't do a lot for me, but the yodeling and the saxophone. The saxophone. Fantastic. 10 out of 10. So in the background, there's this adorable toddler fraggle playing the saxophone that sounds so much like yakety sax, <laughs> but it's not quite yakety sax. Yep. Just different enough to skate the FCC. But in the episode page on Muppet Wiki, we don't get a credit for that puppeteer. Weird. Did they credit the saxophone player? Nope. Dang it. <laughs> Hashtag justice for yakety sax toddler fraggle. Who are you, mystery saxophone fraggle? <laughs> but that's a very consistent Muppet wise. It's like they love background puppeteers showing each other up. Oh, yeah. I love that, though. That's one of my favorite dynamics. So the, the chorus of the song goes, uh, you don't know how it tastes until you try. You don't know how to laugh until you cry. You don't know where you've been until you're homeward bound. And you don't know what you've lost until it's found. And normally we hear the reverse of that, of like, you don't know what you've got till it's gone. But this is, you don't know what you've lost until it's found. And oof, I'm not sure how to articulate that particular feeling, but it's definitely, it feels like this joyful yodeling of oh my god this thing that i missed so much is back mm -hmm. and i don't know how to express that joy other than yodeling about it yeah yeah um the feeling of like all oh, this thing that i took for granted left and then came back and now i'm not taking it for granted anymore yeah that or even just like realizing that the thing that you thought you were missing was actually inside you all along i.e boober's courage which he thought he needed the hat for but you know, in like they make the comment when they're like running away from um, Junior in the garden, and he like he pops his head out and yells something at at Junior. I don't remember what it is. And then like Gobo points out that he wasn't wearing the hat the entire time once they're back in the Fraggle Caves. And so, you know, he he's super happy to get his hat back, but at the same time, he's also you know happy to realize that he didn't need the hat to begin with. He didn't need the Dumbo's feather at all. Yeah, so he shouts, I'm free, and tosses up his hat, a la Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> but is he free? I mean, he may be free of this one superstition, but... Dun, dun, dun. Homeboy's got countless others. Yeah, well, I also had the thought of, like, we're only on episode four, and, like, from what I remember, Boober still has a lot of issues going forward, and I don't know how long 
his courage is actually gonna like stick with him. Yeah. Sounds like healing is nonlinear. What? <laughs> I don't remember how this episode ends, but my very last note is just two words, and it's a Doc sucks. <laughs> yep. So I'm I'm assuming we go back to Doc. I don't remember. Doc says that he figured out how to make the barrel scraper without the stave shaper. That's right. After all of this hullabaloo that he pulled up. And Sprocket does this perfect, like, face to the camera, like, excuse me? Mm-hmm. He, like, does a, you know, yeah. gym take. <laughs> then Doc starts happily using this machine, which sounds horrible, and Sprocket head desks. Head desks and covers his ears. And the episode just ends there? Yeah, on, like, Sprocket's, like, trauma, having, like, spent a day with all this pressure looking for this thing for his master and finding out it's all for naught, that it's pointless. Does he get his mongrel munchies back? Does Doc learn his lesson about not blaming other people for his problems? Probably not. Does Doc give him the bone? No, we don't know. Mm. Hopefully. (sighs) All right. So let's talk about takeaways from this episode and ways that we can make the world a little more fragglish. Be nice to your dog. (laughs) Please. It's doing its best. (laughs) Seriously. I know I usually do the funny one, but just like, be nice to your pets. Yeah. And be, be nice to your friends. If your friend is upset and you don't understand why they would be upset about that thing take them seriously anyway right yeah and i guess like ultimately the takeaway from this episode is just like i don't know the the magic was in you all along the courage you know the thing that you were searching for is probably there and you know yeah find find good friends that will like help pull it out from from within you I mean, if we want to take it one step further, just in terms of, like, assuming everything is an intentional literary signal, you could say something along the lines of, like, sometimes you have to work with the tools you have, and even if they're not great, you kind of have to just make it work and get there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that might have been what Marjorie did, is like, oh, uh, this Fraggle is coming to me with a problem? Uh, well, he's wearing a hat. Uh, always wear your hat. Always wear your hat, yep. You're welcome. Alright, um, yeah. Oh, and also don't use, don't withhold things to try to change behavior. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah. Especially not nutrients. Uh... On that wonderfully cheerful note, you want to hit us with the (laughs) outro? (laughs) Alright, listeners, uh, remember to check out toughpigs.com, you know, follow them on all the various social media. If you could give us a good rate and review, we would love that. Any personal plugs for the three of us? You can follow me at Geek Girl Grown Up. I, I'm just going to throw out that if this is October or later, I do have a book that came out through Game Over Books Press, and it is called... What? Yes, it's a collection of poetry. Does not mention Fraggles or Muppets in it, but um, it is a book called Weirdo. Go If you like poetry, go check it out. That's... All right. Where? How do we get it? Where do we look for it? Uh, the, the internet. I'm sure if you look up, if you follow my handles at Geek Girl Grown Up, I'm sure that it will be the pinned post that will have all the information you need. Cool. Yay! Awesome. Congratulations. Thank That's you. really cool. Thank you. Um, and I, uh, if you are into lo-fi hip hop that is mostly remixes of really niche songs from niche moments, check out, uh, my album Moments and Memories, uh, under the artist handle Badger Blossom, all one word, no capital letters. 
it's wild having something to plug in this section. I was fully committed to the just, I don't exist online, don't find me. <laughs> I mean, you, you still have that era of mystery. That's fair, yeah. Especially since in this recording, Adam's video is not working, so he's just a black square. Exactly. That's actually my true form, is just a large black square. I'm having to hold very rigidly still so it fills up the camera. <laughs> it's your, your final form. Exactly. Oh, this isn't even my final form. My oh. final form is <gasps> two black squares. Whoa, now. And they're holding hands. <laughs> Good. Because they learned from watching Fraggle Rock. On that note. <laughs> Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time down at Fraggle Talk. Don't forget to dance your cares away. Fraggle Talk Classic is brought to you by ToughPigs.com. Fraggle Talk Art by Dave Holtine Jr. The Fraggle Rock mark and logo, characters, and elements are trademarks of the Jim Henson Company. All rights reserved. The Fraggle Rock theme song, written by Philip Balsam and Dennis Lee, is used with permission. Special thanks to the Jim Henson Company and the entire Fraggle Rock family. For more from Tough Pigs, please find us at Tough Pigs on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, TeePublic, and Patreon. Fraggle Talk Classic is produced and edited by me, Beth Cook. Thank you to Joe Hennis, the Tough Pigs Muppet Fan Podcast Executive Producer. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Down at Fraggle Talk. What does Boober's voice sound like? Just give me just like a little bit of him. Oh. He's got like the deeper... Sort of down here. Shared and melancholy. Oh no, I do a terrible Boober impression. This is... This is the fluff of a killer, Bella. <laughs> <laughs>